I think football is an absolute disgrace. I hate it. I can't stand how this country gets behind 11 millionaires. Why, why do we care about what these guys do? It's a game. It's a children's game. I played it at school. And when I left school, I didn't bother with it anymore. Episode number 41 of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast featuring Sean, Janitor Sean, whatever. Uh, thanks for that nickname, Phil. Uh, anyway, uh, it's beginning right about now. Right about now, episode 41. Hi, everybody. And uh, wow, what can I say? I don't know. I guess I can say, first of all, thanks to everybody for the kind comments about the previous two episodes. And well, and kind comments in general, really. I'm really overwhelmed by that. I didn't really expect to get much response at all from anything to do with this podcast because it's so specialized really but it's just mind-blowing every time i hear from somebody so thank you everybody and i apologize for episode 40 coming out uh, quite late uh, usually i try to get this out every other saturday there was something that kind of got in the way it's kind of like what the no swear gamer always says games are fun but always keep first things first and that's pretty much what i was doing uh, my mother-in-law was actually visiting from new jersey she usually comes in uh for a little under a week, uh, like every July ish. And then around Christmas time. So I was kind of, uh, busy with, uh, my wife and we were, I guess, entertaining her mother quite simply, I guess. And, you know, I just didn't really have time to finish up production and stuff in a timely manner, but Hey, I got it out at least. And, uh, I think that's the latest I've ever been with this podcast. But speaking of uh, first things first, I got other first things first coming up. So um, for episode number 42, I'm going to kind of go off topic and uh, I don't know what the topic's going to be. In fact, I might not until I actually record it. So anyway, uh, I want to address a few things that I heard from folks. Uh, first of all, uh, Ferg pointed out to me that I kind of made a mistake. I was referring to Patricia Goodson, who was one of the GCC people, if I remember correctly. Jeez, that was back in October when I recorded that. But I accidentally referred to her as Patricia Goodman. Uh, my either, I don't know if it was my mistake or autocorrect's mistake, and I'm not even kidding about that. Because when I write out my notes for the episodes, I usually use, uh, I use pages for Mac. Well, there's they also have it for iOS now, too. Mainly because I... I, I'm a Mac person and I don't, I, I really can't stand Microsoft products. I really can't. Uh, Excel's okay. I do like Excel and I do like C sharp. I think C sharp is a pretty cool language, but that's just about it. So I don't have office on my computer. I use pages for documents. Uh, I, I don't like Google docs either. Really? There's just, it's just too clunky to operate. So I use pages the problem though with pages is that it gets a little bit over hyper with autocorrect and I might not realize it, but it might have autocorrected Goodson to Goodman. Uh, I, I would use open office or LibreOffice, except pages I can access online. I don't know if you could do that with open office or LibreOffice. So basically if I'm not home, but I f have some time I can add to my notes, I'll, I might do it while I'm out. Anyway, thank you, Ferg, for pointing that out. And Ferg also had uh, 
nice compliments for me as well. I also heard from, I was going to pronounce this person's name, Trionfo, but in his PS, he says, if you read this email on the show, which you're welcome to do, then let me help you pronounce my last name. It is said as Trionfo. The thing is, I, I don't know which syllable gets the accent though. I'm the Trionfo. I don't know. Trionfo. I, uh, anyway, Adam, thank you for emailing me. He says, uh, I've been listening to your Atari 7800 homebrew podcast for about a year now. I'm not caught up yet, but I'll get there. I've been taking my time catching up to the show as I don't like binging on podcasts. One reason I'm taking it easy with your show is that at first I figured there would be just a few total episodes. I mean, how many Atari 7800 homebrews could have been made? 10? A dozen? How wrong I was to think that there were so few. Now your show currently stands at 39 episodes. I, I got this uh, before episode 40 came out. Is there no end in sight? You have more episodes than were made of Phil's original non-homebrew 7800 podcast. How crazy is that? This reminds me in a way when I heard Albert say in an interview with, I think, the Antic podcast, that Atari Age has released more games for Atari consoles than Atari did in all their years of making games for their 8-bit systems. Man, I'm truly getting off the subject here. I was originally writing to ask you a question. Do you plan to cover Harry Dodgson's Atari 7800-2600 monitor cartridge? I know, you're thinking, who has the time to learn to program in 6502 machine language using some ancient machine language monitor? I program at work, Adam, and I like using my 7800 to play games! Get lost, weirdo. <laughs> hey, I agree, uh, but with some hesitation. Even if you don't find... Entering in 6502 opcodes in hexadecimal using the amazingly non-ergonomic keyboard controllers, a fun way to pass your time. Then you might enjoy using the demonstration programs that are included on the cartridge. They are quite fascinating. If nothing else, it's interesting that Harry approached Atari in the early to mid-1990s to see if they would release the cartridge that he created. Atari, of course, turned him down. I bought my monitor cartridge for the 7800 from Video 61 in 2001, 17 years ago? Yikes. That's uh, Adam's words, not mine, by the way. You can save your programs to the cartridge, but the RAM is backed up by a battery. I expect that the battery is dead now, though honestly I don't know for sure. So saving your 6502 program might mean writing it down on a sheet of paper. Now that's old school gaming. Uh, keep up the great work. I love this. Well, Adam, thank you so much. That was very, uh, very kind of you. Adam, Adam also offered to uh, lend me his uh, monitor cartridge and, uh, and some 6502 programming books. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was really debating that. I wasn't really sure. Um, for one thing I wanted to, I was originally thinking that this podcast would cover titles that are currently available or at least playable in some way if they're not currently available, like the ROM is released. And right now, the only thing that I can think of is something that was out, but it's no longer out, was Alpha Race. And I believe that was still available when I recorded that episode. So I don't know. And also the monitor cartridge, I mean, it's a wonderful piece of hardware. I talked a little bit about it in the combat 1990 episode but i only barely touched on it uh, it's maybe what i could do is i i probably should also cover 7800 basic which technically is not a 7800 product in and of itself it is a programming language that you use on a computer but at the same time maybe i should do kind of a double header with uh that 
and the monitor cartridge. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think about that for a bit. Uh, and about the number of episodes, I've done 40 episodes. This is episode 41 that I'm doing right now. Uh, keep in mind, one of the episodes I did was totally off topic, so I, I don't know if you can count that. And of course, I did the requisite episode zero. And keep in mind that Phil usually covered multiple games in his episodes. I usually just do one. Uh, I think there was an exception in which I had an episode that covered four games, uh, even though they were pretty much just different variations of the same game. But y- you know what I'm getting at anyway. But is there no end in sight? That's what I thought, too. I thought for sure this would have a very limited run. I thought for sure I would have run out of stuff to talk about by now and would have had to have been on a on a hiatus. But here's some stuff that I'm... There's a uh, thread on Atari Age. It's pinned to the 7800 forums at the top. It's the Atari 7800 Homebrews and Hacks thread. I'll just run through some things. Th- these are just things that are not just demos or test utilities or something. There's adventurer which has a status of dormant uh there's boom i don't know what that is death merchant in development legend of silver peak currently in development smasteroids which i kind of talked about in uh, another episode uh space junk which is in development tubes which is done oh i'll have to add that to the list of what's talk about that's a that's an interesting game I'm not going to talk about just hacks though except unless hacks are like significantly different to the point they're pretty much totally new games. Uh, and just with uh, Franco Dragon, Clark Otto Jr., there's The Big Burrito, Crazy Tank, Cubicle Chaos, Draker Quest, uh, Draker Quest 2, which has a status of dormant, interestingly, Hardy Man Slapper. So I have all those I have to talk about yet. That, that those, Given the nature of uh, Franco Dragon's games, those might actually just be one episode for all I know. There's The Realm of No, um, oh, how did I miss that one? That was, uh, finished as of December 4th, 2016, huh? Right when I started this podcast, Let's see what else here we have traveler 7,800 Gorf. Oh man, there's a Gorf work in progress. UFO warbirds area 78 dream princess adventure. Oh man. What else? Apple snaffle dungeon fruitarian which i probably won't be able those a lot of these that i'm saying now these are from groovy b a lot of these i probably won't be able to even look at until the uh, expansion module is finally out see fruitarian harry's hen house hover bover icy outpost 26 formerly monster tempest wow let's see there's uh senso dx i don't know what that is i'll have to look into that's from 2001 I might not even get be able to get a ROM for that, huh? See, there's Bear Arms, Phoenix, Slime Time. Oh man, that's fascinating. Bomb Man seventy eight hundred, Gray's Suit Alpha, Metal Gear, Adventure Three: The Race for the Chalice, Battle Zone, Clean Sweep, Defender, Dual Pack Man. I didn't talk about that one. Huh, missed that one somehow. Resolve, Muckbots, Delta Space Arena, Megaoids, Laser Blast X or Laser Blast 10, Putt 18 Miniature Golf. That sounds fascinating. Tile Smashers, Venture, Bullet Festival, Flappy Bird, Multi Lock On, Poetiru, Atlas, Cyber, currently in development as we speak, Frogus. Plum Luck, which I've played, by the way. That's a fascinating game. Spire the Ancients. Skyscraper 2115. 
Robo, Nyan Cat, Nyan Cat. I don't know how that's pronounced. But there are three titles that are in development that I'm currently really excited about. Of course, there's Froggy, which as far as I can tell is pretty much done. And the ROM is available. That is really going to be something. It's a, a homebrew version of Frogger for the 7800 that Schmutzpopo is working on. The pokey sound version is amazing. There's, um, let's see, Cyber is currently in development by Silicon Dioxide. Let's see, what else is there? Baby Pac-Man. Bob DiCrescenzo has Baby Pac-Man in progress, although that's being put on hold right now. And, of course, what's just about to be released in the Atari Age store, and actually just might be the next game that I cover, is Serpentine, based on a uh, Atari 8-bit game. So that's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. So yeah, there's this, this podcast is going to be going on for quite a while. Oh, and by the way, my dog is in the background with playing with a squeak toy. If you can hear that, I apologize. I have the door closed. Uh, I just don't, I, I can't afford acoustic baffling, so I can't really soundproof the room. If you do a search on Atari age, there are 85 games documented for the 7,800 and 11 of them are homebrews. And among the remaining 74, you still have like prototypes and demo carts and test utilities and things. So yeah, there, there wasn't really a big library for the 7800 during its lifetime. So yeah, it's no surprise that the ratio of homebrews to uh, officially released products for the 7800 is pretty high, actually. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Adam, thank you again. Thanks so much for your email. That was really, really awesome to hear from you. And I heard from a great offender. I enjoyed your recent episode of Pac-Man collection packed so full of information. I wanted to comment on just a few items. I absolutely agree with you about the iconic 2600 version of space invaders. There's no better version. Oh, and the three ring binder book about Pac-Man. I had never known about it. I guess I wasn't as much of a nerd as you were growing up. LOL. Anyhow, I ordered a copy from Amazon for just over $20 and I'm waiting for it to arrive. Looking forward to episode two. I think it means part two. Thank you there, Great Offender. Uh, is that actually a three ring binder book? Let me see. Um, hold on. Okay, technically it's not a three ring binder book. Like you can't stick it in a three ring binder without punching holes in it. Uh, it's a spiral bound book. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. And again, um, those of you curious about that book, if you don't want to spend the money on it, there is a link to a PDF version in the show notes from the previous episode at homebrew78.fab4it.com. I also got some actual physical mail, actually, from a, a longtime listener of both this podcast and Pie Factory podcast, my other extant podcast, uh, from uh, John Singletary, uh, Sing very generously sent me a iTunes gift card, actually. He said he wanted to contribute somehow, and that was really, really kind of him. And uh, something that I just want to say off the bat before I forget is that this gift card he gave me actually literally helped in the recording of this episode, and I'll talk about that later on. But thank you to uh, those of you who've uh, commented, and if you wish to comment further on anything to do with this podcast or anything that you just want to reach me about, you can email me at homebrew78 at fab4it.com. And uh, if you listen to the final segment of this episode, you'll hear other ways to contact me. 
By the way, I feel terrible because, well, I used to recommend podcasts all the time, and I haven't recommended a podcast in quite a while, but there is a new podcast that just came out recently that I've really been digging quite a lot, and it's called Into the Vertical Blank. It's hosted by a couple of twins who are Atari fanboys, really, and it is just one of the most enthusiastic gaming podcasts that I've ever heard. It is so much fun to listen to them. Uh, I'm going to admit, I... (sighs) I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that podcast. Uh, I love it because these guys are having so much fun. They're having so much fun, but I hate it because I'm usually listening to it at work, and when I hear them talk about playing video games, like, oh man, I want to go home and play these, play some Atari games, especially their most recent episodes about Asteroids. Like, oh God, I wish I'd go home and play Asteroids. Ugh. And I'm trying to think, okay, how can I come up with a way to stay home and play Asteroids? I... I and uh, it, it just kills me inside. You know what I'm saying? But the uh, podcast is hosted by uh, Jeff and Steve Fulton. They share some amazing memories and wonderful stories about their life in Atari gaming. I strongly urge you to listen to them if you haven't been doing so already. It's so much fun. In the meantime, though, we should talk about uh, the featured game or games, I should say. Now, what's interesting is in the previous episode, I said that uh, considering that the World Cup was in full swing at the time, figured what better title to cover than World Cup from Gambler172. And there was also a similar game in the same thread in Atari Age called Soccer 2. And I really should have investigated it a little bit more deeply before speaking, because is it really technically a soccer game? Well, just keep listening. Now, just so you all understand, the reason that I chose World Cup originally and decided to kind of spawn off from World Cup to the other games that spawned that was because, well, sounds like a soccer game. Well, um, the soccer games that I mentioned aren't really soccer games per se, or even really sports games, really. If anything, they're more like reskin versions of, say, Red Rover or something. World Cup is a hack that was done by Gambler172, like I mentioned, and it is a hack of Touchdown Challenge by Atarius Maximus, who also did another hack of his Touchdown Challenge game, and he called it Soccer 2, or Soccer Challenge. Gambler172 later did other hacks of the same game, called Field Hockey and Hockey. Uh, you might need to draw a flowchart for this, by the way. Touchdown Challenge, which is based extremely loosely on American football, is an Atari 7800 port of Atarius Maximus's Atari 2600 game of the same name. Both were done in some version of BASIC. B-BASIC or Atari BASIC on the 2600 and 7800 BASIC on the 7800. But it actually all goes back to an iOS app called Kickoff by Joe Hopkins. I will link Kickoff and other similar apps in the show notes, but be warned. Kickoff has not been updated in a long time, and if you have an iOS device that you keep up to date, it might not work. I have the latest iOS on my iPhone. doesn't work on that. But it does seem that Kickoff has gone through at least one other incarnation as well under the title Touchdown Run. 
The name of the development company that's attached to the app is nofouls.com. That site no longer exists, but from archive.org, I gather that it was a website you could have visited if you were interested in playing some pickup basketball games. It would find local basketball courts where you could play. Uh, it's not really a huge surprise that that's what that website is because another one of Joe's apps is a basketball shot logger that uh, basketball players could use to improve their accuracy. Anyway, going back to kickoff or touchdown run or whatever, the play field is a portrait-oriented American full-length football field, so 100 yards. You control a kickoff returner who will face a number of defending opponents, and uh, starting from the bottom of the screen, run in for a touchdown at the top of the screen in the end zone without getting tackled. Um, by the way, even though your player is a kickoff returner, you don't actually see the kickoff yourself. You start uh, already in possession of the ball. To move the player, you simply swipe your finger on the touchscreen and move your player around with your finger, and your, the player will move as fast as your finger moves. If you get tackled, the game is over, and you're given the option of replaying that same level for practice. If you make it to the other end zone, you get seven points, and you start that process over again. As you progress through the game, there are more defenders coming after you. You start off facing just a few defenders, but on some levels, you'll have literally dozens. Oh, and by the way, you don't have any teammates. It's just you by yourself. So, yeah, that's definitely in violation of football rules that dictate that 11 players, no fewer, no more, must be on the field from each team. But anyway, uh, with the changing numbers of defenders on the field, you have to plan a strategy and also keep in mind that not all players are going to move at the same speed. You can tell by the colors of their jerseys whether they're going to be moving fast or slow. The app keeps track of your highest score and you can share your accomplishments on Facebook. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Now, Joe's game is also available for Mac for the cost of 99 cents. And uh, this is where John Singletary comes in. There's no free version of the app, but I used the gift card that I got from Sing to buy the app. So thanks, Sing. <laughs> the Mac version seems to be much more compatible with the Mac operating system than, say, the iOS app is with various versions of the iOS operating system. Uh, my MacBook Pro runs the most recent Mac operating system, High Sierra, and it has no trouble playing the app, which is called Kickoff Returner Pro on the Mac. There's also another version of it called Ted Jin, or is it Gin? I think it's Jin. Anyway, it's called Ted Jin Kickoff Return. It's the same game, but the details are much more intricate, uh, much more high resolution, high quality, and you control former NFL kick returner Ted Jin Jr., so how do you swipe your player if it's uh, on a computer and not a touchscreen? Well, you simply use your trackpad or whatever else you have or your mouse. Now, interestingly, there's a very similar app for Android, and it's called Ted Jin Kick Return Football, and it appears to be done by another developer, uh, specifically Double Tap Software. I guess, uh, long story short, no matter what modern platform you like to use, there's some version of this game for it. As for me... I much prefer classic consoles, so I'm going to switch gears over to the classics, starting with the Atari 2600 game.
The 2600 game Touchdown Challenge comes to us courtesy of Steve Engelhart, who is one of the developers behind the 7800 homebrew Dungeon Stalker, and he is known on Atari Age as Atarius Maximus. Steve was inspired by the iOS game Kickoff that I mentioned before. He used BBasic for the 2600 version, and he did that version simply as a proof of concept, spending about four hours developing it. The game was first posted on May 30th, 2014, and in fact, he ended up posting more than one version because in the original version, the goalpost on the bottom of the screen could uh, actually tackle you. So he disabled collision detection in the bottom end zone. Unfortunately, that introduced a bug that would let you just hang out down there where the goalpost used to be and nobody would tackle you. So he posted a second version that corrected that bug. Only one defense player in the game could actually chase you, and he was the only one who could enter the end zone at the bottom of the screen. The rest of the defense would either just stay in one place, or move straight up and down, or across back and forth, or maybe zigzag in certain patterns depending on the player. Atari Age user, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but I think it's Kairu Yojimbo. He noticed that if you lure the player that chases you all the way over to the left, you can then go across the bottom end zone to the right and then run into the other end zone to score. And uh, that trick worked almost 100% of the time. So Steve added a feature that allowed other defensive players to go into the bottom end zone. Meanwhile, Atari Age user Random Terrain asked Steve if he ever tried 7800 Basic. He said, well, no, I never even knew it existed. So he gave it a shot and seemed quite interested in getting involved. In fact, so interested that he put further development on 2600 Touchdown Challenge on hold until he could work up a 7800 demo. He was especially interested in seeing how the more advanced graphics of the Atari 7800 could improve his game. On June 6th, he posted side-by-side -side graphics comparing his 2600 version to his 7800 work in progress. In the meantime, Steve did offer some strategies. He said there are 15 different patterns the defense might use for their lineups. To avoid the chaser, move to the left or right side of the screen immediately while staying as far back as possible, and then pause for a second or two. Then move to the other side of the screen and go straight up the sideline while avoiding defenders that just move left and right. And uh, by the way, don't worry about stepping out of bounds. The game literally does not let you do that. But going back to uh, why Atarius Maximus put the 2600 version on hold, well, it's because he spent a few hours on June 5th to uh, work on the same game in 7800 Basic. He posted a playable demo, not finished at all. He didn't yet have a changing pattern for the defense players, and uh, it was pretty simple. He only had a basic gridiron going and he needed to change some sprite graphics, and the graphics that he got from this particular version came from the demos in the 7800 Basic distribution. The next day, he posted a screenshot with updated graphics, and there are now yard markers on either side of the gridiron, and there were goalposts on both the top and the bottom of the screen. It looked a lot like his 2600 version, except a little bit more high res, and uh, pretty much what you would expect from the 7800. Later on that same day, he was able to post an updated version of the demo that was very close to the 2600 version. He added audio, he added scoring, and he added tackling. There were also now 15 different patterns for the opposing 
There were also now 15 different lineup patterns for the defense, and he cleaned up the background. I noticed also that he moved the score from the bottom center over to the bottom left. Uh, in the original iOS and Mac apps, the score was on the top left. Uh, one thing I did notice that he paid attention to was that he allows six digits for the score. I don't think anybody's ever used more than three of them so far. But uh, Atarius Maximus posted the new version of the ROM and some graphics in case uh, somebody wanted to uh, compile it themselves. The player graphics at this point were adventurer sprites that uh, Mike Sarna, also known as Rev Ang, included in the aforementioned 7800 basic distribution. And uh, Steve was going to be changing those graphics, or else he would have been tempted to call the game Zelda and Frodo Touchdown Challenge, but he just wanted to see what he could do with some animation and get some practice in. He was also having trouble displaying text on the screen. That is a bit of a challenge. I've dabbled with 7800 Basic before. It is tricky and does require some patience to get that working, unfortunately. Thankfully, Rev Eng stepped in and gave him some assistance. But the next day, June 7th, Steve was able to figure out the problem, and he was able to get text on the screen. The text would include the words Touchdown Challenge and Press Fire to Start. Oh, by the way, you would press the fire button if you wanted to start the game. On June 9th, Steve posted yet another update. This time, the sprites looked a little bit closer to football players, and he uh, tweaked the animation a little bit, too. And later that day, he posted another revision that included hash marks on the field, and he changed some of the audio playback routines that were giving him a little bit of an issue. Atari Age user Golden Wheels realized, wait a minute, the football field in your game only has 90 yards. Is there a screen limitation? Is it a program limitations? And uh, Atarius Maximus says, yeah, it's uh, it actually is only 90 yards. I could probably make it 100 and then change the yard markers to the middle, but we'd have to redo the graphics and there isn't enough room to add another 10 yards. So yeah, it looks like that's another violation of football rules. It's not a 100-yard gridiron. Uh, yeah, we'll forgive him. On June 10th, Steve posted yet another update, and the background was changed a little bit to actually make the field represent 100 yards. And he adjusted the yardage markers so that they were in the center of the line, which was one of the reasons that only 90 yards were represented before, because they weren't in the center of the line. To make this happen, he actually removed the goalpost from the bottom end zone. Um, Steve, if you're listening, just let's just face it. You're never going to be able to have two goalposts in this game, so eh, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and also, which I thought was a really cool touch, there's an image at the center of the field, kind of like how in a real professional football field, there's like a team logo or something. This one just looks like a couple of concentric circles with some dots in the, in the middle. I'm not sure if they're supposed to represent anything in particular that was important to Atarius Maximus or what, but it looks really cool. I, I like it a lot. But what's interesting is that if you read through the thread about the 7800 touchdown challenge, there's a lot of back and forth going on between Mike and Steve in which Steve is learning 7800 basic as it goes. And I think it's a really great resource just to see how the development process works, especially for beginning basic programmers. And uh, I, I just might have to revisit that. It's Because I'm always working on so many things at once, uh, I'm still nowhere near done with the project I started with the uh, 7800 basic. But anyway, getting back to the topic on hand, June 12th, Atari Age user Yandman 
posted a mock-up of a possible box for touchdown challenge. And he posted a cleaner version of it the next day. But Steve did say, well, you know what? I like this, but for now, I'm just going to leave touchdown football as it is. I might revisit it sometime in the future, but as for now, he says, I'm focusing on my unnamed adventure game that I also posted about, which is more fun to work on right now. <laughs> oh boy, I, if I had uh, the time, I would check and see uh, what adventure game that was. Uh, I'm very curious. But because Steve put aside development in this game, that's pretty much all there is to Touchdown Challenge. Not to be confused with Touchdown Football, which is probably the most anger-inducing Atari 7800 game I've ever played, but hey, that's uh, already been talked about on Phil's podcast, so I'm going to leave it alone and not tread on his territory. But I do want to move over to the reason that this episode is happening, and that is World Cup and the other such games, resulting in hacks from Gambler172. So World Cup came about right on the heels of the original release of the 7800 Touchdown Challenge. On June 14th, 2014, Gambler172 decided to hack it into some kind of a soccer game. And he said, at the moment, there is World Cup in Brazil and no one seems to care about it. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I have friends who never, ever, 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 ever talk about soccer, ever. But then every four years when World Cup happens, they act like they know everything there is possibly to know about soccer and who are the hot teams and why you should root for them and all that stuff. But uh, all I can say is, first of all, thank you, Walter, for not coming up with this idea in 2010 or else your World Cup game and possibly Steve's soccer challenge game that he did for you would probably have the incessant sounds of constant vuvuzelas. But anyway, later on that day, Gambler172 posted what he called a small manual, and it was simply four lines. Uh, let's see. Uh, he says, in World Cup, you simply must pass the defense to get to a point. In Soccer 2, or Soccer Challenge as it's called on the screen, you must shoot a goal by pressing the button. You may not touch the other players. It is not an easy game, but make a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Steve. And that's it. That's all that, that that's the, and that's just like Gambler172's contributions to this podcast, like short and sweet. And uh, Atarius Maximus said that the soccer game that he did by modifying Touchdown Challenge has some bugs. And he says, and I quote, it's far from perfect. And um, sadly, I'm going to have to agree with him. In fact, both that and World Cup are far from perfect. Uh, it's, I think World Cup of all the games I'm talking about this episode, I think that's actually the one that I like the least because it's quite honestly very frustrating to play. The collision detection is really, really strange. Like you, uh, you will be tackled without actually making any kind of contact with the defense. There will clearly be empty spaces between you and the attacker. And I think what is going on is that the sizes of the sprites got smaller, but the actual programming behind it didn't account for that. You know what I mean? But Atarius Maximus encouraged Gambler172 to uh, dip into the 7800 basic and see what he could do about uh, fixing the various bugs that are in both World Cup and Soccer Challenge. 
On June 22nd, Gambler172 posted two more games that were hacks of Touchdown Challenge. There was field hockey and hockey. And they're both pretty much the same thing, pretty much the same thing as Soccer Challenge. You just shoot into the goal. Oh, and uh, one big thing about World Cup as opposed to, say, Touchdown Challenge. Touchdown Challenge, the end, you just had to get into the end zone. World Cup and the other related games, you specifically have to get to where the net is, so it's not the entire top of the screen. Really, that is all that I have to say about these games in terms of how they came about, how you play them. If you don't like soccer, if you don't like football, then, well, it doesn't really matter to how you feel about the games because, like I said earlier in this episode, the games are not about football. They're not about soccer. It's just basically, can you get across to the other side of the screen safely? That's all there is to it. Like, think of it as, say, oh, I got a great, I, I have, here we go. Think about it as if you're playing freeway or space race, except that you can actually move in different directions. Aha. So just think about that, but with sports themes to them. And while I'm at it, I figured I might as well throw a little bit of trivia in here. In America, we typically call the game soccer and uh, most other places they call it football. And we call it soccer because we have uh, another game that we call football that, uh, interestingly, very, very, very rarely actually involves your foot making contact with a ball. It's just a few times per game. Usually you just run with the ball. But I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand the etymology of sports terms. But I did a little bit of research because I always wondered, okay, where did soccer come from? And uh, here's a little bit of... uh, information that I found with a a little device called a search engine. Well, first of all, the full name of the actual sport is association football, just to make sure that it could stand alone from other games that happen to be called football. And the reason it's simply called football in most places is because, well, association football is just too much of a mouthful, so they just shortened it. And the soccer comes from a shortened version of the word association. They take the S-O-C and slangify it, if you will. So, there you go. And I do know that there are some people who don't like soccer in any form, and I know that there are some people who do like soccer, whether it be Manchester United or Minnesota United. I hear some people might like them, too. But, hey, I just figured, you know, World Cup, this would be a good opportunity to talk about this. Unfortunately, though, because of my weird scheduling lately, I didn't really have time to record any feedback for this episode. But my advice, definitely give these things a shot, especially Touchdown Challenge. It's so much, Touchdown Challenge is so much fun. It really is. And it's actually a lot more challenging than the app versions that it was based off of because, well... For one thing, you cannot adjust the speed of your player. You're at the mercy of however fast the actual game will let you move. And it's really, really challenging. Like, you're not going to rack up a, a brutally high score really quickly. You can probably with the app version, but not with the 7800 games.
And so ends episode 41 of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast. Thank you so much for lending me your ears and space on your podcast player. And I also want to thank the following folks who have been very generous with uh, their donations over Patreon. I'm going to go reverse alphabetical order this time. So Richard Valdez, thank you. PJ Steele, thank you so much. New Balance Phoenix Stores, thank you. And Richard Grounds, Great Offender, Jimmy G, Kyle Etter, Ed Ladden Controllers, and Air Shack, thank you all so much. And if you wish to be added to that list of people who are supporting this podcast financially, you can go to www.patreon.com slash homebrew78. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And as I said earlier in this episode, you can email me at homebrew78 at fab4it.com with anything you want, whether it's be contributions to the episode, audio or textual, or just general questions, whatever. And uh, by the way, fab4it is spelled F-A-B, then the number four, and then it.com. The official show notes page is located at homebrew78.fab4it.com on the web. Twitter handle is homebrew78. YouTube channel is homebrew7800. And uh, next episode is going to be totally off topic. I uh, haven't decided on the topic yet, but uh, it's because I'm just literally too busy to do some research for a Atari 7800 game, but I do have enough time to step aside and uh, talk to you all for a little bit. But I do believe for two episodes from now, I you know what? Let's talk about Serpentine, the new, the newest 7800 homebrew to be added to the Atari Age store. In fact, so new it as of this recording right now, it's still not there. But in the meantime, folks, please give these hardworking homebrew developers the support they deserve. I hope your summer is going well, everybody, and uh, can't wait to say hi to you one more time, at least one more time. Bye bye.